we have a testimony for you. Yeah, we love our testimonies. So if Polly Gill will come up. There you go. Okay. All right. Tell us, uh, give us your testimony, Polly. Give you, okay, here I go. Um, so I'm really excited to be up here tonight, like super excited. And um, it's my 10 minutes of fame, and those that know me the, uh, in the audience know I love to talk. But it's really my 10 minutes of fame to glorify God and what God has been doing in my life, because it's been incredible. So I'm going to take this time, because I truly believe through experiences with God right now that he promises healings, miracles, just grace. He's given me so much grace for, like, my life is so crazy right now. So he's given me so much grace. So a little bit about me. I grew up um, practicing Sikhism. I was a Sikh up until the end of March this year. And um, um, pretty much my father was the founder of the first temple in West Sacramento. So I grew up in temple, like every Sunday, Sunday school events. Everyone knew my father. Um, so I always had to be pretty well behaved um, or else news would always get back to my dad. But at some point, I was able to um, exert like my will and what I wanted as a female um, growing up in a pretty conservative culture. And I really wanted different things for myself because I would go to temple, but something about temple would not resonate with me. I didn't want to be like the other women that were going to temple because I felt like they were kind of quieted down. And I wasn't a woman that was willing to be quieted down. I wanted to chase my dreams. And I had a great father. Like, my father is my best friend. And he encouraged it. He said, follow your dreams, travel, learn about cultures, learn about people and how they live, and do good. So he really guided me in my life. Um, so I have totally built my life on performance. I'm a performance-based person my whole life, which is really an orphan spirit. Um, and I started at the age of 15 doing, um, I never took a day off, ever. I worked, I put myself through school, I volunteered, and I was determined to change my life circumstances. I was gonna have choices. When I get out in the world, I was gonna do things. So, 2010 rolls around, and my life is pretty amazing. I mean, I'm where I said I would be. I'm doing the things I wanna do. I'm working on my doctorate. Um, I'm working full time, and I'm traveling, and I love life right now. So at the end of 2010, my dad gets diagnosed with cancer. So I really want, like a lot of what I'm gonna talk about is a little bit grim, but I want you guys to really focus on how God is working through me during this time, because he really is. So my dad gets diagnosed with cancer, and um, um, it's a pretty aggressive cancer, so our only options are radiation and chemo, intensive chemo. And I have a pretty, close family. We really come together during a crisis, but for some reason, my family was not coming together. So here I was, my mom no longer drove, and my dad was really ill, and he did everything. So I got handed the finances, medical appointments, medications. I was full-time in school doing my doctorate. I was working full-time. 
I didn't know how I was going to do this. And um, it was like a really big wake-up call for me in my life because one night um, my dad's sitting with me and it was after maybe the second round of chemo. And he sits with me at the table and he's pretty old school, strong man, um, not very weak. And he's not someone who's going to I mean, he went through chemo and got sick once, but wasn't going to admit he didn't feel good. So he sits down with me, and he's kind of holding his head, and he's trying to write his name, and he couldn't. And he goes, you know, I don't know what's going on with me. Um, I can't write. I can't think. And in that moment, I was just sitting there staring at him, but just listening, and my heart just, like, dropped. I didn't know how to help him. And I actually excused myself and left to go run errands and ended up just crying for about two hours. And I called one of my sisters um, to tell her, like, I was a mess. And I don't, I, I hold it together pretty well. Like, I'm really determined to get through my life. And I was performance-based. And I call my sister and she says, um, you're being really dramatic. And so... It dawned on me, like, they're not with my dad on a daily basis. They're not giving him his shots. They're not listening to him, like, hallucinate um, or break down. And, um, and it, it occurred to me that my siblings were basically in denial. And I was really alone, like, so alone. So that night, I just realized, like, I have friendships, but they're fun. Like, we do stuff. And I've never really relied on anyone but myself, so that orphan spirit. And I had nobody that night to like call or to hold me or to cry with me. Or, and I was thinking, oh my God, like I'm losing my best friend. I can't come home and I can't um, share like my joys, my sadness. Like who am I going to get advice from? Like my dad's not good. And it dawned on me like my life has to change. Like this is not the life that I want to live. So great. I made it. Um, second year in my doctorate, but like, what, what do I have at the end of the day? And so my life just got crazier from this point on. Um, my family ended up in a crazy legal battle um, that's still going in the appellate court cases right now. And my parents' um, assets were all frozen. So like, my life just got crazier and crazier. And um, I ended up having surgery in December of 2011. And um, it was a four-hour outpatient surgery, supposedly. And after four hours, I woke up, but my right lung wouldn't start. And um, what was supposed to be a four-hour surgery turned into eight. And at that point, the nurse was like, you're really calm. And I was struggling to breathe. And I said, oh, it's because I'm, I'm studying to be a counselor. I'm going to my happy place. <laughs> but the reality was, the real reality was, I was done with life. I was OK. If, if I was going to go, I'm, I was ready. I lived a pretty good life. I sure didn't want to clean up the mess that I had to deal with. And I was ready to exit. So I died. And I had this discussion with God. And I was in the hallway of heaven because it wasn't like the white light, but it was very, very peaceful. And I remember telling God, you know, I'm done. I'm good. I lived a pretty good life. Um, I've accomplished everything I said I would. Um, I didn't get married, but that's okay. I'm, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> um, I get to do whatever I want when I want, but I don't want to clean up the mess alone. I, I don't have it in me to do it. So 
I woke up and I believe that was God's answer that, hey, you're not done here. You have things to do and I'm gonna help you. So what happened, what ended up happening after is I started having these really crazy dreams for about a month and a half. Really demonic um, dreams where like the devil was coming to me and saying, um, you're gonna have to walk through hell to save your family, to save yourself. And I started saying things like, I need younger people to pray with. I need a deeper relationship with God. And I had thought about converting to Christianity for about two years. And um, I was driving home to um, have dinner with my parents. I did this every night. And I hear a voice. And basically, the voice tells me, you need to go to temple one last time. You need to make the sign of the cross. And you need to accept Jesus. And... Um, and something about the blood, which I didn't get. Like, I didn't get all the pieces, and I was like, great, now I could diagnose myself. Not only am I studying counseling, I am hearing auditory hallucinations. <laughs> so I, I ignore it. I go home, and the next day, same thing. I'm turning the corner to go to my parents, and it's louder, and it's with the vision. And it's showing me, like, the vision is showing me going into temple, making the sign of the cross, and converting and accepting Jesus. And I was like, this is crazy. So I just keep driving, and then, I don't know, I, saw, I heard it louder, and so I decided to follow it, and I went to temple, I made the sign of the cross, and I converted. And, um, and after Christ's life, I realized, like, um, the blood of Jesus. So we're covered with the blood of Jesus. So I started to put all the pieces together, and, um, and about a week later, I wasn't so sure I made the right decision. And so I started asking God, give me a sign I made the right decision. So I worked with Roman like 18 years ago, and we were on each other's Facebook. And he calls me. I haven't talked to him like over a year. He calls me and says, can you talk? And I was like, oh, yeah, give me a few and I'll call you back. So I call him, and um, we're talking. And I keep saying my intuition, my intuition. And he's like, you mean the Holy Spirit? And I was like, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean Holy Spirit? And he kind of just continued. He didn't really give me any more. And I was like, as we started talking, I said, well, can I tell you something, but you won't judge me? And he said, yeah, sure, go for it. So I said, I've been having these like crazy dreams and I can't sleep at night. And they're like entities and demonic, um, the devil. And um, it doesn't mean to have dark energy. And he said, oh no, those are spiritual warfare. And I was like, what does that mean? Spiritual warfare? And I was so hungry to like know. I, don't, I mean, I had to go because I was heading into a counseling appointment for myself. And so we said, <laughs> yeah. So we, we hung up and I, I go in and it just gets better. So that was my sign number one. And then my sign number two, I go in and I tell my counselor I've converted and we talk about it. And he said, well, I'm a Christian counselor. Did you know that? And I said, I kind of remember that vaguely when I picked you. I was curious. And he said, would you like to pray together at the end of the session? And I said, absolutely. So after we did that, I left. And I had about a 35-minute drive back home. And three people from about 15 years ago from undergrad call me and say, we just feel like you need prayer. Is that OK? And I was like, OK. I made the right choice. I'll never question it again. Um, and so I converted, and um, here I am. And so if it wasn't for Roman, he actually um, introduced me to Epic. And so one thing sticks in my head is, 
like my life's really crazy right now and I don't know how I do it all, but I kind of do know. I mean, it's the supernatural strength of the Lord, but the Lord really uses us when we're at our weakest point. And so um, I'm just like, I'm so, like my life's so crazy, but I so love my life, like just walking with the Lord and how clearly I've been hearing the Lord. So I'm just really excited and I hope that you all out there, if you're kind of struggling to hear the Lord, like you really let him do the work that he's trying to do in your life. Because um, this was just since like the end of March. And already I can say truly, I'm not even close to the person I was um, in March. I'm so different. So that's it. Isn't it interesting how all the different paths all of us take? Week after week, it's so encouraging just to listen to people talk about how they came to the Lord. And um, it's, it's interesting, like for Polly, it wasn't this huge emotional uh, thing. She had been thinking about converting and studying because she's very intellectual and academic in her approach. Whatever your approach is, however God made you, he's reaching out to you as only he can to you in a very unique way. So tonight, Ashley's gonna come and talk in our transformation series. <laughs> Ashley is, if you don't know her, she's the queen of fun. Um, anything that she's in charge of, I like to go to because A, I don't have to do anything because she's also very well organized, but B, I'm gonna have fun. But I also have to tell you, um, Ashley's a powerful woman. Um, because I walked with her for about three years, mm -hmm. about three years. And what she's going to talk to you about tonight, she actually walks in her everyday life. She lives what she's going to talk about. And she has a lot of personal authority, not because I gave her a microphone or Eric Knopf said, we think Ashley should speak, but because of the private choices that she makes in her personal life when no one is watching. So I'm excited at what God's gonna speak. Let's pray. God, thanks for Ashley, for the gift that she is to our Epic Life family, for the woman of God that she is. And Lord, I just pray that every person here would just open their hearts to the power of what she wants to share because it's life-changing. Thank you, Lord, for the difference that you make in all of our lives. It doesn't take years to be whole. It just takes an open heart and a response to what you say. We love you, God. Amen. Amen. Nice. Can I just start by saying that I absolutely love you guys? Like, this is one of my favorite parts of the week. I don't know that I've ever been part of a more powerful community and just awesome people. Um, I just feel so blessed just to know so many of you, and I'm excited to get to know the people that I don't know. Um, let's just pray real quick one more time. Why not? We've been <laughs> God, we just... We thank you for your presence, um, not just here right now, but, but just always. We thank you that you're just in a constant pursuit of our heart, Lord, and um, we just thank you for your goodness. You are so, so good. And I just thank you that any distractions we have, um, I just thank you that we left it and checked it at the door, that the rest of our life, all the things that are going on during the week, that they're just out there and we're in here with you. And God, I just pray that just tonight, um, just as we say your name, as we say God or Jesus, Lord, that it, it, it's not this awkward, foreign, four-letter word, 
but that it just brings comfort and just healing to our souls. And we just thank you just for the restoration that you're just gonna pour over this place tonight, Lord. In your name, amen. So um, we've been having just an awesome series just on wholeness, and we've had some amazing messages just the last few weeks. And uh, a couple weeks ago, Eric, one of the main points in one of his messages was, we need to know the significance and value in our wholeness. And right when he said that, it like instantly triggered kind of the flip side for me. We need to know the power and the purpose of our pain. Uh, because I think whole, our wholeness in itself isn't necessarily where the power comes from. It comes from kind of the, the pain that we've experienced and the journey that God brings us to to the wholeness. And when we go through something that's difficult, kind of subconsciously we autom- like apply value to the outcome. So for any of you guys that are in school or maybe were in school, um, you know, you guys have those classes where it's, you know, you have a teacher and you can pretty much barely show up and you can get an A and it's like, no big deal. You, it's, you're stoked, you're like, sweet. And then you kind of have those classes, like if you're like me, it's chemistry, where it's pretty much like a foreign language and you're just like, come on, like let me just pass, I wanna get my diploma, you know? And you're like signing yourself up for every study group, you're pulling all-nighters, you're like, you know, trying to make cheat sheets, but then you don't use it, because that's wrong. Um, <laughs> and, and then you get your report card and you're like, a D, sweet, like Ds get degrees, right? So I'm gonna graduate and it's not gonna ruin my, you know, four-year education here. And I remember I got that and I like smacked it up on the, on the fridge and you're just like so stoked. And someone else would come over to your house and you're like, a D, like what a slacker, you know, you're lame. But like I, hold, I held it with a lot of value because I knew the hard work that I had to go into, the pain and like the late nights and um, you know, skipping out on fun activities to study. And so for me, you know, it, it held a lot of value. And I think, you know, as long as we can like acknowledge the pain, then it will bring a lot of value to what we're doing. Um, a better example probably um, for me is Michelle and one of the most amazing, powerful people I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. I mean, you heard her pray before service, like she's a powerful woman. Um, and if you were to just meet her for the first time and kind of engage with her, like you'd probably see, you know, you're like, oh, she's beautiful. She, you know, is happily married. She has a nice home, a car, a job, all these things you think, man, like she's really got it together. She's probably never been through anything difficult and hang around her long enough, and you know, it's, she has actually had a horrific past. I mean, she's experienced and seen things that you literally wouldn't wish upon anybody. And so once you learn that about her, you look at her and you're like, you're almost speechless, like seriously, how are you the person that you are today? You know, and it's because of what God's done through her, through her life, and her allowing him to do that through her, that brings all of the, you know, power to who she is now. And luckily she recognizes that and she, you know, you hang around with her more than five minutes and she'll start sharing her story and things that she's experienced because she really grasps the idea that from where our, our greatest misery is comes our most powerful ministry. So the, the, the areas that she had the most pain and hurt and brokenness is where she can really heal herself and other people by sharing it. And that's kind of what we're gonna go into tonight. And for me, like that's just, really encouraging. We need to be able to first recognize our brokenness. We work in a technology industry, and on the daily basis, we're contacting different companies saying, hey, we can save you thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. We can make you know, this, this, and this area of your life so much easier if you just come and do it our way. And literally, I, I mean, nine times out of 10, their response is, well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
and you're just like, we're on the other end of the phone just pulling our hair, like banging our heads on the desk, like, are you serious? And it's like, what do you do? You know, we just keep pursuing them, kind of emailing them, calling them, kind of making ourselves available so when they choose to see how broken it is, we're there. And is that not totally how God is with us? I mean, he's constantly, hey, come do it this way and your life will be so much easier. I'll save you time, money, hurt, pain, all these things. And we're like, no, it ain't broke, don't fix it. We're cool, God. Like, we'll just keep handling it on our own. And he just constantly keeps putting himself, himself there, ready for whenever we make the choice to acknowledge our brokenness, he's there to heal us. And if you guys were here just like a couple weeks ago, or months ago, I guess, um, when I shared my testimony, um, you would have heard about how like my main struggle was with purity. I grew up in a family where sex before marriage is totally acceptable, prob- practically encouraged, and practiced by everybody. I mean, <laughs> um, I mean, Patty was there the first time my dad found out that I had had sex. He was like grinning. He was like ready to like, he would have like high-fived me across the table if we weren't at a restaurant. I mean, that's just how my family is. And so that's what I was raised with. It was almost weird that I had waited as long as I did to have sex for the first time. And when he first found out, he was like, Ash, I'm proud of you. Like, that's, that's a response he gave me. I'm, I'm proud that you waited as long as you did. I'm proud that it was with someone, like a nice person. I'm glad that, you know, just all these things. And so when I started coming to church, and learning about, you know, epic li- or coming to epic life and learning about what the Bible says and what God says about sex and his value system with it and how he blesses it, it was like total paradigm shift for me. You know, growing up, I was always this good kid, you know, did all the right things, tried to not, you know, cause a ruckus or anything. And then I come here and I feel like this rebel child, you know, and I need to like shift my whole thinking. And since I'd already crossed that line, it was hard to get it back. And I made it 10 times harder than it really needed to be. And so just a side note, any of you guys who have not crossed that line that are maybe like thinking about doing it with your boyfriend or girlfriend, I just totally encourage you just to wait. God, or I heard Kolzik one time said, you only crave what you've tasted. And so true. Like don't add another temptation to your life right now. Totally not worth it. Um, and so through all that, you know, I thought, for me, my struggle was with purity. And I don't know, maybe your guys is, a, you know, maybe someone in here is, you know, credit cards. Your first time you spent something on a credit card, now you're like, can't stop. You can't get a paycheck without going and spending it at the mall. Maybe it's, you know, an addiction or eating, overeating, undereating, a bad relationship. I don't know, the details in this room vary, but the pain we experience and the lives we believe are the same. So the, the details out of every individual in this room might vary from person to person but the pain we experience stem out of the same lies. So for me, there were, there were two. And I started to realize that my battle wasn't with purity, even though I tried to be like, oh, Mike, we can't have sex. We can't talk about sex. You can't think about it, you know? And then, like Eric said a couple weeks ago, was like, if you don't want to eat hamburgers, you don't have posters of in and out all over your room reminding you not to eat hamburgers. <laughs> like, that's what's on your mind. That's what you're gonna do. So my battle wasn't with purity. It was with believing these lies. And once I was able to kind of realign that and get my focus on what the lies were and come in alignment with the truth, that's really when I started to see some things change in my life. And for me, those two lies were, I came into a lie of who God actually is and a lie of who God sees me to be. 
And so in the, in the midst of our brokenness, you know, God or the enemy will come against us and try to like distort um, our vision on God's faithfulness and his goodness. He tries to put, make us think like, God, why did you let this happen to me? You know, why did you let me spend all this money and now I lost my home and my job and my girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever? And you know, God this, God that, why did you do this to me? And it's totally the opposite. God loves us enough to let us make our own decisions, for better or for worse. I mean, we make a lot of bad decisions, but God allows us to do that because he doesn't force his love on us. And until we're able to break through those two lies, we'll never really walk into wholeness. Because God's, you know, he's a paradox, right? I mean, you give up to gain, you let go to, to get, you know, you die to yourself to find yourself, all these really weird things that sound weird at first, but then it starts to make sense once you start to learn more about God. You know, like Mike and I, we had just like this death grip on our brokenness, you know, like so many of us do. It was like, we can't let go of our relationship, but we really want to grab this wholeness over here. So it's like we're holding on to the brokenness and we're like trying to balance wholeness, you know, and trying to get all this thing going and it doesn't work that way. And so finally, once we were able to kind of let go and just have faith that God would provide, you know, he says that he'll bless the things that we let go. It's true. He really does. I mean, we've never been more whole in just our relationship and in our individual lives, it's been amazing. And we, we kind of, we trade faith for control. So we think, you know, we wanna control everything because we don't trust that God's really gonna be there. We always kind of have this backup plan. So if God doesn't come through, I still have my grip on this and, and I'm not gonna lose it. And it's funny because we think that we're the ones in control, but when we're in control, it's not us. It's our emotions and our brokenness that are controlling us. So when we let go and let God just take control, it's way better. I mean, you can ask a lot of the people in here that have actually been able to kind of let go of their brokenness. It makes a big, big difference. And for me, a big shift in my life began probably around this time last year. Um, Katie Keeler, if any of you guys know her, did a message. Yeah, Katie Keeler. And, um, and it was really one of the first times that I ever heard or really understood the verse, the verses of in Matthew 7, 21 through like 23, um, where God says, I never knew you. And I was just, you know, we're going to him saying, God, but we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons. We did all these miracles. We go to church on Sunday. I go to Epic Life every week. Like I don't miss it. I'm on leadership. I go to pre-service prayer and you don't know me? Seriously? Like we're kind of together a lot. And I just remember going home that night and I was like, what the heck? You know, it kind of blew my mind a little bit and just like contemplating on that and kind of mulling over it. And it totally made sense because in the midst of my brokenness, you know, having sex or you fill in the blank of whatever yours is, like God's the last person I wanted to talk to. You know, I felt like I had to be pure for like this long a time before I was worthy to like talk to him and not feel bad about it. Totally opposite. We need to go to him first and he gives us the strength to kind of stay away from what we don't want to be doing. And you know, we just, we don't have that mindset at first because we're believing the lie of who God really is. We think he's the one that's gonna be like pointing his finger at us and like packing on the shame. We're packing on our own shame. You know, we walk in here and we feel so, you know, we've had different discussions about how we walk into Epic and we feel like we're being judged and all this stuff. No one noticed, no one's pointing fingers. It's you, you feel your own like kind of guilt and whatnot, it's not God. And it was interesting because I was thinking back to, I used to row in college, 
And you know, you have girl, like a team, it's like 40, 60 people big. And it was funny because just one girl out of all the years that I rode, like stuck out to me this week when I was thinking about it. And there was one girl out of all my years rowing that I never like connected with. You know, we, we rode, you practice six days a week, twice a day, you travel, we pra- like would stretch, we'd laugh, we'd cry, we won gold medals together, I mean, all these things. And I can't tell you one detail about her life. And it, it totally bummed me out this week because I was like, we were together so much. How did I never connect with her? I mean, we're friends on Facebook and so I could cheat and look that way, but I really don't know anything about her. And it's totally how it is with God. You know, she never pushed herself on me. You know, people were kind of like in your face, like want to be a friend and stuff like that. She was always just there, really nice. But I never made the effort to pursue and get to know her. Same with God. He's always here. We feel like he's not, but we just kind of need to make the effort to like move forward and kind of develop an intimate relationship with him. And um, we're we're studying intimacy in our small groups. And it's funny because this keeps coming up like throughout the week. And... The definition of intimacy is close, familiar, deep understanding, detailed knowledge, and private. Does that describe your relationship with God? Close, familiar, deep understanding, detailed knowledge, and private. It didn't for me for a long time. You know, we come here to Epic Life and we're trying to like, you know, do all these things. We're putting our hands in there. We're having fun in worship. But do we really know God on a private level? Like, are we connecting with him at home? In our private time when we're driving? I mean, whatever it is. We're not, we're not able to be intimate in a big public setting. It needs to be private in our, in our quiet time. And once, once we do start to do that, once I started to do that, like Polly was saying, like God speaks to us. He totally does. And it's creepy at first because you're like, what the heck? And like I always know it's God when it's something that's smarter than I am or like, like more funny or more like gives me details that I would never know otherwise. And it's been happening more and more lately and it really freaks me out because you learn details about people's lives that you're like, I don't want to know that because I don't want to have to approach them and talk about it. You know, and it's really kind of scary, but it's amazing at the same time. And again, you only crave what you've tasted. Like, is anyone craving God? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I feel like my... um, Because as we get more intimate with God and make it more frequent, it becomes more normal. Because it's normal for us sometimes not to be intimate with God and not have him like on the forefront of our minds. But as we make it more frequent and we experience it more often, it's weird. Like you have this void when he's not there, you know, and and prior to like starting to develop a relationship with him, we're constantly trying to like fill that gap with other things. You know, I always picture like, you know, those little kid toys where you have like the square and the circle and the triangle and you have to like put the little shapes in their spots. Like we have like a God spot and we're always trying to like shove the square in there and like all other things like pack it in there. It's like only God fills that hole. And we're constantly like forever trying to like fill all these other things and it just, it isn't working. And as God speaks to us, he starts to break down lies. Like for me, it was, you know, I, in the midst of like my brokenness, you know, having sex, all these things, like I'm on leadership, I was on leadership here, am, 
and we're in the midst of our brokenness, like we're trying to lie about it, like hide it, leadership isn't supposed to be doing that, right? Like, I hurt a lot of people that cared about me, and myself. I remember like one time I just looked in the mirror and I'm like, who are you? Like, this is not the person that you are, you know, not a liar, all these things, and, and God started to speak that to me, like you might have lied, but you are not a liar. Like you might have completely made an entire mess of your life right now, but I still love you. And I, you're worthy of being used by me. I'm like, that was huge because my biggest thing, like I really wanted to help people and share my life with people and you know, minister and all these things, but I didn't feel worthy because I wasn't living a life that God called me to live. So it wasn't until like I started hearing that and walking in wholeness that you know, things started to change. And I really feel that as we start walking in wholeness, one of the biggest disservices we can do to people is to act as if we were never broken. So as we start walking in wholeness, one of the biggest disservices we can do to people is to act as if we were never broken. Why? Think of Michelle. If she were to never share about her history, she completely strips the entire situation of God's transformational power. She strips the situation of all the power that can bring everyone in here, all the healing, healing of herself, as we kind of share our story, it brings ourselves healing too, because it strengthens our faith. If, you know, if we're questioning, was this really God? Was this whatever? Yeah, it was, and I'm gonna tell you about it. You know, and it, when you share it with someone, it strengthens your, it strengthens your faith. So it's important that we just, that we share our testimony. The Bible is a testimony, right? I mean, it's a whole book of testimonies. Why wouldn't God call us to share our testimony? What is a testimony? It's evidence. It's a state of fact. It's proof. Proof of God's transformational power in our lives. It's powerful. It isn't a substitute for God's word but it's a testimony to God's word. And it shows that his word applies to any of us, all of us, every single one of us in here. And our testimony is forever growing. So my testimony, the whole sex thing, that was part of it, but there's so many more cool things that are happening now. It's like we always have to have a testimony for what God is doing in our life right now, because there should be something. If there's not, then we're not connected with him. He's constantly moving in our lives and those lives of those around us. Luke 8 talks about when God goes and he like cures the guys of, um, or cures the demon possessed man. It says, go home, tell your family and tell them how much God has done for you. So the man left, he went through the whole city, told people how, how much Jesus had done for him. My family didn't wanna hear about God. They're here right now in the front row. We told him anyway. <laughs> Mike and I go home, we talk about Christ's life and all these things they're doing in our lives, you know, and all of our friends at Epic Life and our friends at church and all these amazing things that happen. Like, like Saul said a couple weeks ago, or last week, once you know God and see him move in your life, like you can't help but tell people about him. It just like is pouring out of you. And if for some reason you don't feel like telling anyone about God, you probably don't really know who he is. And not that you don't know him, but you're believing lies about who he is. Because if you're believing that it's a God of like condemnation and like he's pointing a finger at you, 
You don't want to tell anybody about him. Like, that's not fun, you know? We have enough of that just in the world. So who can share their testimony? So just for, you know, ordained pastors or educated, you know, theologians, or only if you got teacher as your spiritual gifts test, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Or is it just for the people that are like living a pure life? No, like anyone can share their testimony. Every single person in here, if you have God in your heart, you can share your testimony. You already have something to share. Like it's already in you. First John 5.10, those who believe in the Son of God have the to- testimony of God in them. So every single one of us have something to share someone, with someone. The enemy didn't want you to know that. He wants you to think it's just for the special people, like the called people. We're all called, every single one of us. And not to mention that just word of mouth is the best marketing. So for us, for God, like I know back in high school, I don't know if you guys remember this thing, but it was like this belt that you put on and it like sends electric pulses and it flexes your abs and then <laughs> unflexes your abs. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so in high school, this one, one of the guys in like our group of friends got it. And he's like, comes to school and he's telling all of his friends, like, man, my abs are ripped, you know, and all this stuff and the chicks are gonna love it. And so I'm not kidding, within a month, like six or seven of our guy friends had it. And they'd all be sitting there playing video games, like their abs are kind of like doing this thing, you know? (laughs) And it's like, if they would have just seen that on TV, no one would have bought it. Like it's worth, like your personal testimony holds so much weight than, you know, anything else. If someone sees a transformation in your life, It's kind of undeniable. I don't think that we ever saw his abs get bigger, but (laughs) he said they did. (laughs) So why share our testimony? Because God is good. Like if I can think of one reason, that is the main reason. And it saves people. Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the salvation of everyone who believes. It saves people. You could help save people by sharing your testimony. And when we share, we kind of already talked about it, it increases our faith. Like if I go and tell my friends from college that Mike and I aren't having sex, like that's really hard and they think I'm really lame. And, but it increases my faith. If I'm bold enough to be able to go say that to them, you know, they might think it's weird, but they've come back and asked me like, so what's up with that, you know? And so I can tell them, it totally opens the door, like all of our details of our lives apply to somebody. You know, someone else might have something that would apply to someone that I wouldn't be able to reach. Like all of our pasts give purpose to the pain that you had. If you're going through something right now, like be encouraged that it'll, it'll help save somebody if you just kind of walk in it and do something with it. And it's like so many of us are like, we want to reach the world. You know, we want to have this big ministry and, and do all these things. Like, where do we start? It's like, start with the person in front of you. Start with your testimony. You don't need to know like the whole Bible to do it. You, you reach one person and you'll be reaching the world because you just need to be confident that it'll just continue spreading out and spreading out like a fountain. That first piece of water like goes down one level. 
Then it goes out another level and another level. It doesn't matter. That first level just cares about the next level, you know? And then the next one takes care of itself. Like it just automatically just kind of keeps multiplying and, and spreading out further. And it brings hope. You know, if someone in the audience, if they're like, man, it is hopeless. I will not be able to date my boyfriend for this long without having sex with him. You can. We're doing it. It works. It's true. I didn't think I'd be able to. <laughs> it is possible. And it's not like it's easy. Like, I'd like to say once you are walking in wholeness, like, everything's just a cakewalk. It's not. Like, just a couple weeks ago, we were texting Waterbury. We were like, man, like, we got really close to crossing a line. Like, luckily, we're whole enough now to where we can recognize it soon enough and stop. But before, we would have, like, we'll just keep this between us, and no one's going to know, and it'll be fine. <laughs> we just won't do it. Go there again. And then we'd go there again because no one knew about it. It was amazing. Like, we... We text Waterbury, we're like, look, like nothing happened. You've been watching us through like our really good victories and we just want to keep you in the loop on, on when we're like starting to stumble. And it was crazy because the second we contacted him, it was like all this shame was just gone, you know? And even though nothing happened, like I still had this shame, like we should be better than this. We shouldn't even be getting to that situation, you know? And we text him and it's, you know, we were like expecting this text back that, why were you even in that situation? Why were you alone in this, you know, whatever? Like all this stuff, like we're expecting just like these like questions, you know? And, and you know what sex back said? It was pretty much just like, dust your boots off, keep on going, like that's not who you are. And we, I just remember Mike and I, Mike was like, he looked at it and he handed it to me, he's like, kind of like confused, you know? And... <laughs> Like, that's how God is. God's not sitting there, like, pointing your finger like you shouldn't have even, like, gone to his house, you know? He's like, that's not you. Just keep going. Like, you're fine. I'm here. Like, just, you know, dust it off. Just whatever. <laughs> and chances are, a lot of you guys here tonight are probably here because someone told you about their experience here. Someone shared their little mini testimony of their experience here at Epic Life, and that's why you're here. And look, they invited one person, the person in front of them. Maybe you'll invite someone. Maybe you'll go out and change the world. They're impacting the world by touching one person. So what are some of the hindrances of sharing our testimony? If we truly don't know God, we don't want to share him. We kind of talked about it a second ago, but... If we truly don't know God's heart, like we don't want to share him and we're not excited about it. So it, if you're someone right now sitting in here that's like, eh, I don't really care to share God with anybody. Like you have a little bit of work to do and just your, the lies that you're believing. So like tonight during worship, like just kind of dig down and try to figure out like what lie is that? Like why am I not excited about God? Isaiah 41.10, do not fear for I'm with you. Do not be anxious or look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Like, that's awesome. Like, who doesn't want to share that, God? Like, I'll strengthen you. I'll uphold you. I'll help you. Like, who else in your life does that consistently, unfailingly? Like, everybody needs that. And sometimes we don't want to share 
God because, or our testimony, because we're ashamed of it. I was, I didn't want to tell anyone that I was, what I was doing. Maybe we think, our past is so bad, like these people aren't gonna like me anymore. Like, have you heard some of the testimonies that have been shared here at Epic? We still like them, and they've been crazy, you know? It's like, don't be scared of that. If anything, like, it connects you more with people. Like, you get, people out here are able to relate to you. It doesn't matter what it was. Like we said, like, the details vary, but it, there's someone that it'll connect with. It's powerful. Like, don't be ashamed of it. Like, we're all God's children, and we all make mistakes, make bad decisions, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Like, you're on a path to wholeness. Sometimes we feel like we aren't, you know, able to share our testimony because we don't feel worthy. You know, we're dirty. We did this. Like, I don't want anybody to know, you know? It's like, even like, look at Mandy's testimony. The things that she shared about, having an STD, these things, like, Sean, you know, is just sitting there, like, with his arm around her, totally proud. You don't need to be ashamed. Like, God heals us from whatever it is. Like, she touched lives with her testimony, you know? It's like, don't be ashamed or embarrassed of it. Another thing is we don't need to know God's word inside and out to share testimony. I know for me that was a major, major hindrance. I thought, man, like, I don't know any Bible verses. I haven't even, like, opened the Bible. I go to Epic Life and kind of take some notes. You know, I can't share. What if they ask me, like, a Bible question, you know? <laughs> Whatever. I lead a small group, and I don't know, barely know anything in the Bible, you know? And it's like, not anything. I know some, but... <laughs> like... I remember our first day in Bible study, like, I have women in there that have, like, gotten their, I don't know, whatever you call your degree, but they've gone to school to study the Bible. (laughs) And I remember sitting there, I was like, don't be intimidated, don't be intimidated, you know? And it's been fine. Like, we all have different backgrounds. We kind of fill each other's gaps. And sometimes we feel like we just don't have anything of value to say. Like, whatever I've been through, no one else cares. Like, it's not going to touch anybody. Growing up, I was a total tomboy. So if you don't believe me, I'll show you my seven-year-old Christmas list because it's intense. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my dad and I, we would always, like, go and we collected baseball cards. And we have a shelf, you know, somewhere that is just, like, stacked with baseball cards. You know, we'd go out and we'd get like this rookie card and it's like, sweet, you know, someday this is gonna be like worth a lot of money. And we just kind of stick it in a box and stick it up on the shelf. And sometimes we'd go and my dad would buy like a box of cards. I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to go home and like open the Beckett and like track all these and see how much they're worth. And no, he was like, you can't even open that box. Like, you, I don't want fingerprints on them. We're just gonna put them right on the shelf. It's always so lame. So like now, Thinking back, like, I have this whole shelf of, like, all these cards that are probably worth a lot, but literally I've almost never looked, like, acknowledged them or look at them, and all I need to do is, like, take it out, even just me looking at it, like, doesn't mean much to me, it's not much value, but I take it somewhere and, like, I show it to the guy at the baseball card store, I don't know, and they're like, dang, like, that's worth a lot, you know? It's like, that's totally how our lives are. Like, we have all these things, like all these situations we've been through, all these experiences that are just up on the shelf. And like, if all we need to do is just take it down and maybe share it with someone, 
And there's a lot of value there. Like we literally might not know. Like we don't know of all of our baseball cards, you know, and you have this whole like stock of all these valuable things to share with people. We just need to do it. So as just the band comes up, um, I don't know, I just, I just encourage you guys tonight that as we do like ministry time and prayer, that before you guys come up here, that you just kind of start to try to cultivate an intimate relationship with God on your own. That if you want to come up and get prayer, that you just pray for yourself first because you have the same God in you as every person up here on this prayer line does. You have the same exact power in you. God speaks to you just as much. Some of the people on this line might be more free or be walking more in wholeness, but you have the same God in you and he's speaking to you. So tonight, why don't you start that road down wholeness, maybe figure out what lies you're believing about God, maybe figure out what things are like keeping you from being excited about him and about sharing him. And then after that, come up and, and receive prayer and, and kind of come into agreement with someone. Maybe someone up here, if they are more free, will hear something differently than you. They'll share some of their value of their pain and their purpose and their pain with you. And we'll kind of just start starting the process and multiplying that out into our world because God knows we need it. All right. Thank you.